You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now your hosts, Daniel Sanangelo and Trey Harris. I shall leave you as you left me. As you left her. Marooned for all eternity in the center of a dead planet. Buried alive. Buried alive. Daniel! (laughs) Jesse! Yeah? Listeners! It's time for 80s Revisited as we tackle... Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, giving our fellow Trekkie friends some lovin' after covering the Star Wars trilogy many moons ago, over a year ago as a matter of fact. That's right, we're tackling Star Trek II, the big one of the franchise. And of course, as always, I'm one of your hosts, Trey Harris. I'm the other, Daniel Sanangelo. And with us as always, our lawyer producer, Khan! A.K.A. Jesse. Yes, I am. When Khan blew up at the end of this, spoiler alert, he sent him to a parallel universe where he became a producer of the Awesome Podcast yeah. Network and host of other shows. All those different everything. dimensions. And Heroclix champion. One of them, he has to be that. <laughs> In one dimension, you are Khan. He's just some Trekkie. <laughs> like, hey, guys. <laughs> he's still super strong and has the, ch- the chest. And he's like. <laughs> but, yeah. Wrath of Khan, everybody, was released June 4th, 1982. IMDb gives it a 7.7, which is uh, pretty high on the IMDb scale, in my opinion. And Rotten Tomatoes, 91%, super fresh. Budget was an estimated $11 million. Opened, 14.3, which is a pretty great opening in 1982. Domestically, it ended up grossing $78.9 million. Worldwide gross, 97. Hmm. I would have assumed it would have been higher than that worldwide because the phenomenon that Star Trek is oh, now. Yeah. But, of course, this is early on uh, in the franchise's comeback. It's their second shot. Uh, after the original series, the original movie, and now Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Hmm. Uh, directed by Nicholas Meyer. He also did another one of my favorite, or underrated movies, I should favorite underrated movies, I should say, called Time After Time, which featured a young Malcolm McDowell of A Clockwork Orange and other such movies, as H.G. Uh, Wells, yes, the author, uh, who pursues Jack the Ripper with his time machine. Hmm. Strange premise, but pretty cool. Definitely check it out. Uh, it was on Netflix for a brief time, I had it on my instant queue, and you know how you have Netflix and you have your instant queue, and some days you notice it's about 10 movies shorter because movies just disappear and come back on right, Netflix all the time. I don't even mess with my queue anymore. Me either. Like, I, I don't search. even pay attention to it. <laughs> I just, I want to watch this. It's not on there. I'll find something else. Yep. Uh, but also, he directed The Day After, which was the big, scary movie of the day after the nuclear war hits. Uh, television movie, I should say, that, you know, in a sense was a TV version of War of the Worlds in a way. And people were like, oh, God, freaking out over it. Everybody does people. that premise now, though. Yeah. So, I mean, Overdone. Right now there's Revolution, which I fell out of because it wasn't that good. Yep. <laughs> That's what I heard. I heard, like, it was like a lot of people, because, of course, J.J. Abrams, who's related to Star Trek, uh-huh. uh, was doing Revolution. I've heard, you know, of course, Lost. Everybody liked, uh, not everybody, but and then, yeah, uh, was most the other, people. Yeah, the other show, Dollhouse. Was that him or was that That's Whedon? Oh, uh, no, it's Whedon, yeah. Okay, he had some other show. Alias. Alias, yeah. You know, which was lasted for a long time, but then I've heard Revolution just doesn't kind of... Yeah, but it is that post, like, the world ending yeah. type of thing. Because the lights go out, right? I mean, that's the whole... Yeah, yeah, like, like the electricity's out. out, and 
but the one that actually used like a nuclear war was like Jericho. Mm-hmm. That was a yeah. decent show. Yeah, no, got canceled. With, with, with Luke Perry or uh, not Luke? Perry. No, it's the guy kind of uh, looks like him. Yeah, the guy from Scream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, him. Oh, I can't think of his name, but I know him. Uh, uh, Skeet Ulrich Skeet, yeah, or it. something like yeah. that. <laughs> he was in a movie. Was not a to get too far off topic. He was in another movie that was actually really good called with it was with Cuba Gooding Jr. Skeet Ulrich, yeah, and it was like they developed some cold fusion movie thing or something, but it was actually a pretty f- entertaining with bad who? movie with, with uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Was it old? Yeah, 90s. 90s. It, it could only exist in the 90s. <laughs> Let's see, screen. Chill Factor, that's Chill it. Chill Factor. Cuba Gooding Jr. It's a fun, funny little bad movie. If you ever see it on TV on Netflix, it's worth a watch. But anyway. I like Cuba. The Trekkies are screaming. I hear them through, All right. the, through the podcast. Cuba Talk wasn't in Star Trek. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, oh, and uh, John Nicholas Meyer. Uh, he also directed, came back to the franchise with Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, one of my favorite of the original. Uh, it was written by Jack B. Sowards. He did the screenplay. Uh, if you look on IMDb, there's a whole bunch of people credited with the story, such as uh, Gene Roddenberry, naturally. Uh, but Sowards mm-hmm. was kind of the, the main screenplay writer, so that's why I popped his name down here. But uh, pretty much he did Bonanza. And then he did Star Trek, so not too much of a resume there. But speaking of resumes, William Shatner as Captain James Tiberius Kirk, immortalized as Captain Kirk. I think he, if somebody says William Shatner, the first thing that pops in your head is him in a Starfleet uniform, probably screaming Khan or, you know, giving some monologue about how we've got to stop this from happening. Uh, but of course, true fans know he's done more than Captain Kirk. The legendary T.J. Hooker, the modern-day Captain Kirk, so to speak. And, of course, he taught me and millions of other kids that, you know, when, they're, when you need somebody, when you need help, you call 911, as he was the host of Rescue 911. Mm. And uh, he was tur- a villainous turn in National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon, which parodied, I think, one of Daniel's favorite movies that we've covered, Lethal Weapon. And also, when, when there's Kirk, there's Spock. Leonard Nimoy as Spock, naturally, of course, Star Trek, but also the voice of Galvatron in Star Star Transformers, <laughs> the movie, not the Michael Bay disaster Star piece. Starformers, Star Starformers Trek to War, <laughs> the ultimate matchup. But yeah, he did. He does a lot of voice work and other things. Uh, he was had the displeasure of being in Transformers: Dark of the Moon as the rickety old Decepticon thing that gave that re-resurrected Optimus Prime or whatever. Spoiler alert for a bad movie you should never watch. Mm. Uh, and DeForest Kelly as Dr. Leonard McCoy. Of course, uh, Star Trek is pretty much the main thing he'll always be known for. Uh, he's the first of the main cast that is also no longer with, with us. He has passed away. But he also is one of the few original cast members who also appeared on The Next Generation, which was where my Trek knowledge, most of it comes from aside from the original cast movies. Uh, and James Duhon is the immortal Montgomery Scott who's given it all he's got until he died. But I'll t- let me tell you something about James Duhon. Like, read his Wikipedia article or, like, his history. The dude was shot, like, 17 times in World War II or Korean War, one of the wars. But uh, he lost a finger on, I think, his right hand. So whenever you see him on the screen, he always has gloves on or he's hiding his hand. Hmm. So he's a bona fide badass. Like, he should be running this ship. Or, you know, at least have a rap career. Like, you know, 50 Cent, 50 Cent got shot, what, six times, eight times? 17 <laughs> times, everybody. But he don't walk with a limp. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. <laughs> and Walter, I've, I have no clue. I've heard his name pronounced differently several times, so Koenig, Koenig, 
whatever. But he's Chekhov. Isn't there like a uh, kitchen appliance, Koenig? Uh, no, Keurig. Keurig. Yeah, <laughs> the coffee maker. Pretty close. I could say that one. Walter Koenig. <laughs> Koenig. Uh, but he's, of course, nuclear vessels, Chekhov. Uh, and the immortal George Takei as Hikiru Sulu. Of course, Star Trek, all you youngins listening to the podcast who may or may not have been born in the 80s would be more familiar with him as that dude who posts funny stuff on Facebook. Uh, but also, he does a lot of voiceovers. He's uh, especially ruthlessly villainous in the Command & Conquer uh, Red Alert 3. Or is it just Red Alert? Uh, who are we talking about? Uh, I was K- looking up how to pronounce oh. Koenig. Koenig, okay. Koenig. Yep. My apologies if you're listening, sir. Some people pronounce it as Koenig. No, I'll stick it the other way. Tomato, tomato. Koenig. Yep. Koenig. Koenig. There you go. It sounds like rap slang in a song. <laughs> here. Yeah, perhaps. Oh, wait. Oh, how to pronounce Jesus? <laughs> There's oh, all these kind of, I just saw these. Like, if you watch this, you should also watch the YouTube- Pwned. Pwned. Yeah, how to pronounce Cthulhu. Pwned. Cthulhu. Or Pwned. Do you say owned first? Owned or pwned, which, yeah, some people pronounce that. Gautier, provolone, cologne. Somebody Go, if you, gets so, almost 300,000 views just wow, for that. Wow, this is how you pronounce this word. Yep, six-second video, make some advertising money. Wow. <laughs> so if you ever need to pronounce, you wonder, how do I pronounce this? And I will take this into consideration for future shows. <laughs> this is how you pronounce people's names or any other word. YouTube it. Should but we were pronouncing Takei. Is that who you were? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with Red Alert 3. Red Alert yeah. 3. He's a, uh, a BA. Definitely. Along with Tim Curry and some other... Jonathan... Not-so-actors. Uh, uh, great actors in it. A lot of B-movie actors, but nevertheless great ones. I know Billy D was in uh, yeah. Tiberian Wars. <laughs> yeah, he was. And he was awesome. Hanging in a room with a swinging light bulb like he just got bombed. J.K. Simmons yeah. in there. That's good. Peter Jenny Stormare, McCarthy. yeah. Oh, God. Oh, I remember her. Kelly, Kelly Hugh. Kelly Hugh was like the little... Oh, yeah, Gina Carano from... Uh, Right. Uh, what you call it? American Gladiators. Yeah. And the Steven Soderbergh unclassic Haywire. Unclassic, for sure. But uh, back to Rathika. <laughs> uh, Nichelle Nichols was Uhura. And the first film appearance of Kirstie Alley as Savick. She's a veteran of 80s Revisited, of course, with our Look Who's Talking episode. And, of course, she was in one of my favorite TV shows of the 80s, Cheers, replacing Shelley Long. And then Paul Winfield, another veteran, and also another one who's not with us, unfortunately, uh, was uh, Captain Terrell, and also he was in The Terminator. He was the police chief. And also, uh, before he died, he was in Mars Attacks, which I would say is a Tim Burton classic, not an unclassic. Hmm. And then uh, Merritt Butrick was uh, David, Kirk's son, in this film. Uh, he was also in Star Trek Three, but he's also no longer with us. He died tragically at age 29 of AIDS-related pneumonia. Uh, there was another, some fancy name, too, for it, but I don't remember it. Right. But uh, the legendary Ricardo Montalaban as Khan... Of course, uh, if you don't know him as Khan, the only other thing you might, most people might know him as, I should say, would be Fantasy Island as, I think, Mr. Rourke or O'Rourke or maybe it was just Rourke. I don't think he was Irish. Uh, but also, people like me and Daniel who watch great movies also remember him as the villainous villain whose name I don't villain. remember. <laughs> but he was in The Naked Gun. And how much, you know, you're Khan. The, you know, you kill Spock, basically, you know, in a roundabout way. You're responsible for one of the original crew members of Star Trek dying but then in the naked gun you are so villainous that you want to Vincent Ludwig uh, that you you attempt to assassinate the Queen of England by remote controlling Reggie Jackson 
to, <laughs> while he's pl- in the middle of a game to walk to I think second or third base wherever the, by the dugout. Uh, I think it was second. He's walking from the outfield. One of the bases, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they hide a firearm under the base. He takes the gun, walks right up to the queen. Everybody's not... If you remember Naked Gun, nobody's looking at him. He climbs up on the dugout. Reggie Jackson, Reggie Jackson one, of, yeah. one of the biggest stars at that time of the Angels, holding a 9 millimeter right in front of the Queen of England. And if you watch the film, everybody's looking away. He gets right into her face and says, I must kill the queen. And then everybody's like, oh! <laughs> Right fielder with a gun. Maybe just one an autograph. <laughs> with a gun. <laughs> with a gun. It's, don't Fire worry, it's a gun. pin. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll cover that one because that's classic as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, Ricardo Montalban is Khan, of course, widely uh, remembered it, as Khan. Is it Montalban? Montala. Mon- Montalban. Yeah, I was yeah, saying Montalban. Taliban. <laughs> Pardon me. He's no longer with us, so I can't offend him. But if, he's, if, he's, if his spirit is present, I, I, present, I apologize. Montalban. Mont- Maybe I could get Montalban. that pronunciation thing going on it. Yeah, I was just adding an extra I Montalban. there. Because in a post-9-11 world, when you see T-A-L-B-A-N, <laughs> your mind puts that I in there. Yeah. It's not the Taliban, it's the Taliban. Yeah. Ricardo but it's Taliban. Ricardo Montalban. So I do apologize to his relatives and him as well. Yep. Don't you know? Hold it against me and come back in 15 years and try to kill me by ruining me on some in the middle of some asteroid. But uh, also, this Kirstie Alley's first movie, but also the first movie ever composed by James Horner. Uh, which they asked him to come back for three, and he said pretty much gave him the finger and said, "No, nah, I'm too big for Star Trek now." But a good composer, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. So, Daniel, it's my understanding that you have never, until this moment or till the weekend when you watched. Part two, ever seen on a Star Trek movie aside from the recent reboot? Is that correct? Yep. So, and and a couple of the original television shows of of the original the episodes, crew. Yeah. yeah so you, so I mean, but of course you knew the characters. I mean, yeah. kind of like before you watch Star Wars. I mean, you knew Darth Vader. I mean, it's 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 pop culture that these characters exist. So, Daniel Santangelo, what did you think of the wrath of God? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. No, it was pretty good. Um, yeah. It, uh, one of the things is I didn't even I didn't know Spock died, mm-hmm. so that was a little bit of a surprise for me. In the beginning or the end? Because he dies the twice end. in the movie. Yeah, the end. Um, it was good to see Kurt and everything. And when I saw Montalban, I, <laughs> I immediately thought of Naked Gun. That was the first thing I remember. Him <laughs> so it was kind of cool to see. He was a good villain, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, Acting is not at all fantastic. But <laughs> yeah, it ranges from terrible to it peaks a couple times yeah. and then drops right back down. Um, I'm trying to think. These are little things that go through my head. I go Paul Winfield when mm-hmm. I showed him. I was like, oh, he's an episode of Family Matters. <laughs> well, we, we all know you love Family Matters. I mean, That's a little thing. What, that a, go what a Trekkie is to Star Trek, you are to Family Matters. I'm an like Urkelite <laughs> yeah. or something. <laughs> but, uh, I enjoyed it. it. It definitely wasn't where I was like, uh, looking at my clock, come on, this mm-hmm. is going to end type deal. Like, Big Trouble or Howard the Duck or things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, Howard uh, the Duck is the example you need to use. Might have Kurt to Russell re- out of this. Might have to revisit. Uh, <laughs> 80s revisit, revisit. Revisit. Revisit the first episode again. Watch see it if again. Still see if he still like hates it. it. Oh, I still hate it. <laughs> I don't know. You ain't watched it twice. You never know. Man. <laughs> well, what were some of the uh, wow. your high points of the film? Like anything to strike you as like you know like really like the what was your favorite part? 
I, I just credits. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> I like the whole con scene, like at the beginning, where he's kind of telling, or he's talking Story. to Paul like, Winfield and stuff. Yeah. I enjoyed that, but it really wasn't like a favorite. Like, oh, that was badass. But mm-hmm. Spock's death was kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's my favorite part. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, because you know, as a kid, when I watched this, like, well, unfortunately, I saw three first, mm-hmm. so it was like I knew. I knew he wasn't dead. And, of course, anybody watching this movie today yeah. would know that he's not dead. Well, it kind of shows it at but the of end, course, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that Pretty little scene at the yeah. end. But, of course, back then it was like, holy shit. Spock is dead? <laughs> they killed Spock? That was, you know, that was the equivalent of Vader, you know, I am your father. No. Which I, which I wonder if that had any bearing. Like, oh, you know, they're like, oh, shit. That the Star Wars guys, they just, like, pulled a really big, you know, twist and everything. We got to, we got to, they shocked everybody. We got to shock people with this one. Because, of course, this is the only time in history, aside from possibly 2015, uh, that Star Wars and Star Trek are being released in proximity of each other. Uh, of course, this was 1982, so uh, Star Wars and Jedi uh, Empire have come out. Jedi's on the horizon. Star Trek The Motion Picture's come out. Star Trek II's come out. So, in a sense, you know, of course, there's, there ends up being a Star Trek 3, 4, 5, and 6, which 4, 5, and 6 are Star You know, there ends up being six Star Wars, and now more and more Star Trek as well. You know, so it's really... I wonder if there was any behind the scenes like, and imagine Trekkies are like, no, screaming like, no, that's preposterous. They never do anything because of Star Wars. But I mean, that's a two-way street too. Uh, so I wonder if that had any bearing like, oh, maybe we need to we need to kill somebody off. We need to do something dramatic here for this franchise like they're doing with theirs. Because you know there was always talk that even then Star Wars was going to be a trilogy, uh, but of course it was numbered so that you know there, were, there would probably be some. There's more story to tell and everything but I always wondered that if they kind of maybe borrowed off each other a little bit back in in that time it'd be interesting but I found nothing on the internet so we'd all be hearsay should it come to pass so mm. Daniel would you like I mean let me ask you this this being considered to be among the best of the Star Trek movies would you say that it might have inspired you to see any more aside from what we watch next week as in the role of part three like, do you want to see four, been. five, and six at all? Or, I mean, any desire to explore the universe more, I should say? No. Now, what about, now, by comparison, when you watch Star Wars, you know, I mean, you saw, you finally saw the original trilogy. You had seen some of the prequels, correct? You'd seen, like, The Phantom Menace? Just that. Yeah, I mean, but I guess. A I little saw, bit of the, the last one. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, but you, haven't, you didn't explore that universe either. I mean, no. so would you kind of, I'm just, and again, these are the two juggernauts of sci-fi, so that's why it brings me to this question. I mean, is sci-fi inherent like futuristic sci-fi like star wars star trek not necessarily like comic book movies like x you know yeah. those like avengers or anything like that i mean are is that just not a genre that you particularly like to begin with i've been more of a i've always been more of a fan of fantasy than, mm-hmm. than science fiction type like willow over yeah you know, exactly like that you know when, which is obvious based on your movie choices but 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 i would assume that you like star wars more because they have lightsabers which are basically swords with laser beams yeah I also like like to me. I I, I prefer a sidekick and a villain making the movie. Like Khan was really good on the yeah. second, but like, you can't beat Darth Vader. Yeah, and you know, and Vader I, lasted three movies. Khan lasted one movie and one episode. He uh, <laughs> he didn't hardly say a word. I enjoyed Chewbacca when yeah. we did that podcast. It was, was one of my favorite <laughs> characters. It's Chewie. Yeah. Ah, Chewie. But we better get back to Star Trek before we get murdered. Uh, since we've said where we live and everything on the podcast before, <laughs> and Trekkies, they that revenge is a dish best served cold. That's right in space. No, he's, that's what he said. That, well, have you seen 
this, Jesse? You seen Star Trek Two? It's been a long time. Long time. Well, well, you know, it's always been a long time <laughs> for everything. But of course, that yeah. Uh, and uh, what was it? I think it was Kill Bill One. They had that at the beginning in the crawl, like old you know, revenge is the dish best served cold. Old Klingon proverb. Right. That's where Khan says it in this movie. He's like, and he tells that to everybody, but he says, and it is very cold in space, <laughs> which just cracks me up because that's just so silly to me. It's pretty silly. It's also cold on Hoth. If you're in. You know, that neck of the galaxy. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, but uh, as far as my opinion of this movie, I really like this movie. Uh, it wasn't, of course, like everybody knows, I was a Star Wars kid growing up. I still like Star Trek, but, you know, Star Wars is, was always what the Star Trek movies had to live up to for me. And I think the older you get, me speaking personally, is the more I kind of like the Star Trek movies, more so than I, when I was a kid. Because there's a lot more psychological stuff kind of going on. Uh, you know, with like in this one with Kirk's kid, uh, you know the, the emotion of Spock dying. I mean, watching it now, like I, uh, well, I think, and in fact, I go on record as saying the best acting William Shatner has done in his entire career was the last, you know, scene in this movie, not the last scene, but uh, uh, at the, the funeral of Spock, where they, you know, he just died, and they have this funeral within like five minutes and shoot him out of a torpedo. Like, oh, we can't have this dead body on the ship. Let's get rid of him. Hmm. I mean, literally, this is like within five minutes. Like, I'm dead, Jim. No, Spock's dead. All right, put him in the tube. Eulogy. Like, this is literally... It's tradition. I guess. But then as we learn next week in part three, that's not what you're supposed hey. to do. <laughs> I guess they needed the excuse. But anyway, back to what I was saying. You know, where he, he tells, you know, like, of all the souls I've ever met, his was the most long, dramatic pause. Human. Uh, mm. I think that was the... That scene was very well acted on Shatner's part and he gets a lot of cr- bad rep of being you know so I'm William Shatner I'm so wooden as an actor I'm practically an oak tree whatever uh, but you know he has his moments where he mm-hmm. like uh, he's I wouldn't say he's ever a, been a bad actor but I mean he has that persona of Captain Kirk uh, but he's not bad and Nimoy's great I mean of course he's Spock uh, I really wouldn't say there's very much bad acting but there is points to where I mean, these people have acted well, at, not at this point, but I mean, they were on the show, I should say. But you know, these are the characters that end up defining all these actors. So, is it really bad acting if their character just acts that way? Because <laughs> that's yeah. that's them, so to speak. But uh, before this episode, I actually watched the uh, ser- the original series episode that inspired this one, or that is the prequel to this, so to speak, which was uh, season one, episode twenty-two, Space Seed. Uh, it's on Netflix, as are all the original trilogy. Uh, sorry. Original season episodes of Star uh, Trek. Uh, is the same actor? Yeah. Okay. Which is why they brought him back. Okay. Which is, which is awesome. you know. Right, right. Uh, I think it's really cool that you take this episode from the TV series. You know, and it really, only because of this movie is it considered, you know, people remember it. Because mm-hmm. usually with the original series, the big episodes are the triple, trouble with Tribbles, with all the little furry things, which they right. reference in the, the Star the recent Star Trek movies, uh, and um, the one with the Gorn, the arena episode, which they reference on Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, <laughs> and a variety of other things where Kirk fights the Gorn, the big rubber-suited dude, and, and, makes, a baz- and makes a bazooka <laughs> out of a tree, a hollow tree, some diamonds, and some sulfur. Uh, but it's still awesome, nonetheless. Mythbusters, get on <laughs> I think they did. It seems like they might have done that. Make that would have been like five minute episode though. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they had some other things, I'm sure. But it seems like they did happened. cover like trying to make a bazooka out of like tree- something oh, yeah, that would work. They did. And they made a wooden cannon before. Yeah, I remember that one. But I don't think it was related to Star Trek. It, it probably wasn't. I know they did the Jaws episode. I'm trying to think if they did like anything 
else related. I don't know. Yeah. They should get on that. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of the original series, uh, series episode, uh, they thought that they went back. The producers went back and watched a lot of them to see like where can we draw, what can we draw upon for the sequel to Star Trek: The Motion Picture. They settled on Space Seed, and it's really cool because when I watched the episode, I thought it was cool that they said it as well. But the the last lines of the episode is Spock is like, well, to sum it up real quick, uh, they, well, they do in the movie, but basically Khan gets exiled to City Alpha Five uh, to rule as king, so to speak. So he kind of he basically gets what he wants, and when he le- in the in the TV episode, it's really amicable. They're just like. We're dropping all charges against you, Khan, even though you tried to kill us and take over the ship and tried to kill me like three separate times. But it's cool. We're going to give you, put you on this plane and let you rule. And he's like, he just kind of nods and like, yeah, that's cool. I'm fine with that. Yeah. And he walks out. I mean, they do everything but shake hands. I mean, it's like, cool. You know, he's, he's not like, I'm going to get you for this, Kirk. Yeah. They're not, they're not hauling him to this planet. I got away with it if it wasn't for you. <laughs> you meddling <laughs> Vulcans or whatever. Meddling uh, yellow shirts. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh,. Which is kind of confusing, you know. I mean, it works for this movie because they explain what happens to Khan, how he, you know, the the other world dies and causes City Alpha Five to become a, or City Alpha Six, whichever one. I'm sorry, Trekkies, if I'm if I say the wrong planet. Uh, uh, the other shaking one shaking their heads, <laughs> crying. They probably mm-hmm. already turned it off. To Face be honest, palm. That's all. <laughs> yeah, turn it off. But uh, Nimoy has a line, or Spock has a line at the end of the episode where he says it'd be interesting, Captain, to go to come back in a hundred years and see what this planet's like. Well, they come back in fifteen years and. The other planet was destroyed, causing the one Khan's on to become a desolate wasteland with giant worms whose offspring control people's brains and all sorts of fun stuff. But yeah, if you, if you haven't seen the original episode and, you, and you've seen this movie, it's really cool to watch because same actor. I mean, of course, you're going back in time and the Enterprise back then is really, you know, a bunch of wooden components with blinking lights. Right. And the acting's worse. But uh, it, it, to tie it in all together, it's definitely worth watching. And I uh, mentioned before that this, the budget was only $11 million, but I imagine with a cast that size, a lot of it probably went more so to getting all of them on set because uh, they really made this movie on the cheap, uh, especially because Star Trek The Motion Picture, its budget was uh, apparently $43 million for the first feature film is what it ended up costing over budget, I would assume, which in 19, uh, I think it was 80 or $79 was ridiculously expensive. Uh, so a lot of the sets are reused as well as some of the same... Uh, ships and shots of the exteriors were used to save money because they had them made for this movie and put them all together, uh, reused them effectively in this one. But of course, you know, there's, let's see, was it, we're looking it up, 35? 35 million. For so the, the budget was 35. IMDb reports said it went up to over 43, but still mm. 35 million in 1979 dollars. That's, you know, that's like a 200 million dollar movie these days. Uh, so it was a huge investment, which obviously if they're making a sequel three years later. You still got these sets laying around. The Enterprise obviously doesn't change that much in the original series films, uh, aside from you know the displays become a little less LED or light yeah. bright, I should say. <laughs> More things blink, uh, if anything. But yeah, they reused a lot of stuff, like uh, in particular, like the torpedo room, the space lab, the transporter sets were all parts of the Klingon bridge for the Star Trek the motion picture. And then uh, they used a lot of the exterior shots, especially from the original, the beginning with the Kobayashi Maru, with the Birds of Prey. Those were all that was all reused from the first film. But uh, one of the most expensive sequences of the film was the Genesis sequence, uh, which had that huge, massive explosion. And ILM, George Lucas's company, uh, did that effect for him. And they rented the Cow Palace in San Francisco for the effect. They covered the ceiling with a huge black cloth and placed the camera on the ground. And they had the 
the uh, miniature well above that near the ceiling rigged to explode. And the reason they set it up like that was so that when it exploded, the fallout would fall towards the camera. Because, of course, in space, when if you throw a softball in space, it's going to keep going in that direction forever because there's nothing to slow it down. Thus, an explosion wouldn't dissipate like a firework. Uh, but they had a special high-speed camera that was constructed at the time. This is a film camera, by the way. It ran at 2,500 frames per second. So fast that one of the components was pretty futuristic as well inside of it. It was a spinning prism that bent the image onto the film as it rushed past at 2,500 frames per second to help increase the exposure time without having to slow the frame rate, which I believe, according to IMDb at least, that is still a world record for film because what a, a digital camera gets what? In the frame digital right cameras now. nowadays, like Mythbusters, they yeah. film with uh, over 10,000 frames yeah. a second. And just to put that on scale for people who don't know cameras, your normal movie's 24 frames a second. Yeah, so this is astronomically larger yeah. for th- then, and, and with the way cameras are now, it's mind-blowing. They had a show about it I saw on Discovery. I don't even think it's on, but they just all they did was show you things blowing up in slow motion. They have many YouTube yeah. channels that can do the same thing. <laughs> Watch me throw this water balloon in extreme slow motion. Yeah. And they show it in normal motion, it's just like, bloop. Then the next five minutes are... Yeah, we got a full episode of all of this. (laughs) 30-minute episode. From me dropping a pencil on the ground. (laughs) Watch this. (laughs) Some of that stuff's really cool, like seeing, I saw a bullet go through an apple. Yeah. That kind of stuff, you know, you you watch it once. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, this is pretty cool. Uh, The original subtitle was Star Trek, The Genesis Project, and then it's like, nah, how about just Star Trek 2? And then they're like, nah. Then how about Star Trek, The Undiscovered Country, which... As we mentioned earlier, that's actually the subtitle of the sixth film of the original cast. Uh, and subsequently, they kind of settled on The Vengeance of Khan. Well, then they got word that there was this other low-budget movie called Revenge of the Jedi at the time that was coming out. They were like, Vengeance of Khan, Revenge of the Jedi, that's too close, let's change it. So they finally settled on Wrath of Khan. But then, of course, George Lucas, in his infinite wisdom, thought that uh, Jedi's, you know, revenge is against the Jedi Code. They would never be vengeful. So let's change it to Return of the Jedi. So they both neither use their original names. What's revenge. your opinion on that? Do Jedi's no. go for revenge? No. I mean, it makes sense, <laughs> but I mean, there's that part. He shouldn't I mean, have started it in the yeah. first place. <laughs> well, I mean, there's that part in Return of the Jedi where he's about to, you know, he's sort of going to the dark side, beating the crap out of Vader, oh, yeah, and then he yeah. cuts his hand off and says, oh, oh shit, better not do this. He's like, I want black clothes now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he shows up all in black, very Vader-esque <laughs> yeah. the whole time. You know, so I mean, in a sense, it could have worked because... Right. That's what he's not supposed to do, and that's what he realizes at the end. Right. But again, we better get back to Star Trek before we get murdered. I know. I just think it's funny how it's based Somebody's on cursing clothing. at us in Klingon, like, Machi <laughs> Tuka! Like, that's not even right. Yeah, they're like, he just said, you know, fuck your mom in Klingon. Yeah. <laughs> or said something, can you pass me that moldy oh, cheese? gibberish. <laughs> but there is a Klingon dictionary out there, and I actually know, well, he's a friend of a friend who can speak Klingon, but he'll never do it when everybody's hanging out. Who but, is this? Uh, it's a friend of Autumn. Autumn's best okay. friend's husband's friend. So mm. he's not like in our circle. But he purportedly knows Klingon and can speak Klingon. Apparently you can learn it on YouTube as well. Oh. Klingon courses where the guy actually has makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get a little little taste of this real quick, everybody, because this is important. He deserves a nod, I guess. Klingon course number one. Nukwe and Kwapla. Kwapla. Learn to speak like a Klingon, lesson one. Oh my god. Oh my god, he's dressed up his bedroom like this. Hello, my name is Lieve Litar. I am the Klingon teacher from Germany. 
Welcome to the first Klingons are from Germany? Are you kidding me? Star Trek Infinite Space. I would say hello in Klingon, but as most of you would you know, Klingons don't say hello. They don't Duh. say goodbye, they don't say thank you, they don't say please. What it do they say? It doesn't mean that Klingons are unpolite. They just talk. Klingons are just <laughs> very direct. Uh, On the other hand, man, if you really need makeup. to say yeah, he's got the scene by his eyes. Nuknech means literally something like, um, like Hebrew. what do you want? Nuknech, <laughs> Daniel. If somebody Nukhnech. comes up to you <laughs> and uh, wants to <laughs> say anything, <laughs> well, you can just say Nuknech, which means Nukhnech. what you want, and the other one can just say, state his business and say what he wants. Then, when you're finished, you can just go away. The Klingon. <laughs> <will understand. laughs> just go away. When you go, go away. away. If you don't, well, maybe you have heard the word kapla. Yes, I have. Kapla, kapla. means literally <laughs> success. Oh, it's not okay. goodbye or hello, how are you? It's what does shishmelt mean in Klingon? Shishmelt! When someone is leaving, <laughs> you wish him a kapla. lot of success for the upcoming made popular battle. by South Park for me. For this, <laughs> you take your success. hand, make a flat okay. hand, slap it to oh, now the he's like. You, you slap yourself then in the chest like yeah. Celine Dion singing. Open so she's hand. saying hello in Klingon when she sings. Kapla. Kapla. Pay attention to the first letter. It's a k. No, that's a q. It's Much a kla. Much than, than just a k. So don't say k. Don't say kapla. Can't say kapla. Kapla. Then next. This has to be like fan created, right? Klingon. You have to say kapla. But they have Not an officially kapla. sanctioned dictionary. Okay. Right. So. I wish you a so, lot I mean, I assume some fan made it and they're like, oh, hey, we'll buy it from you for proud. 50 bucks and Back we're going to make millions of dollars. Judge. <laughs> oh, man. Well, if you want to learn Kupla. more Klingon, check it out on YouTube. <laughs> Great Kupla! Kupla. And Klingons Success. are from Germany. Yep, apparently. So this I, one is. I did not know that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> this is pretty funny. Most of the henchmen that were playing, uh, Han. Oh, most of Khan's henchmen were actually Chippendale dancers. So I wonder if you can, you know, go to a Chippendale show in Vegas and like they have the Star Trek sequence where they come out. <laughs> and they're all know. the original eight. Like, I'll have to ask my aged. wife next time we go. <laughs> when like she goes. thirty years old, forty years older now. <laughs> and they're still wearing it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a magic. Mike, that was the version of Magic Mike I would have watched. <laughs> Star Trek Seven. Yeah. Oh Jesus. And this is pretty interesting, which I didn't really notice, so I kind of actually read it, although I watched the movie. But Kirk and Khan never meet face-to-face. Everything, all their interaction is, you know, through communicator or view screen. But that was actually because Ricardo Montalban had to film his scenes separately from the main crew because he had his fulfillment with Fantasy Island and had to film at different schedules. So that's some pretty smart filmmaking. I mean, the film is seamless, but they never see each other for a reason, which is pretty cool. And what? And this is a development. There you go. Uh, This is a hot topic among Trekkies, apparently, because it's widely debated for some reason uh, whether or not Ricardo Montalban's chest was actually his chest or a prosthetic chest. Uh, It's so the discussion is so heated that there's two entries on IMDb about it. Anyway, but I can say, according to Montalban, it is his chest. When he was, he revealed it to Johnny Carson, and when he Carson asked him how he got those that chest, he pretty much just said push-ups. Lots of push-ups. Hmm. So, if you want to do the con workout, push-ups. push-ups. Lots of push-ups. Uh, the character Savick was in, originally intended to be a male Vulcan, uh, was changed later to a female, 
Folk and Romulan hybrid. Uh, but when they rewrote the script after that, they still had left instances in the script where she's called Mr. Savick, which I, I noticed, and I was like, oh, I guess they just spoke wrong. But apparently there is Trek fans and naval buffs have apparently pointed out that in actual nautical jargon, women are addressed as Mr. or Sir, excuse me, being that the true, quote-unquote, lady is the vessel, quote-unquote, herself. <laughs> so, whatever. Yep. But, uh... This is in the navy. <laughs> we call our ships girls in the navy. <laughs> we call girls sir, <laughs> or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know where to go with that. But according to this, that's true. Pretty but, much uh, nailed it. This is pretty odd. Leonard Nimoy didn't want to even be in part two because uh, I don't know how much you know about Mr. Nimoy. Was uh, he had t- he has two autobiographies. The first was called "I Am Not Spock" because he didn't want to be associated with the character. He's like. Look, I'm not Smock. I am Smock. I'm not Smock. Take me off when you're in the kitchen. Uh, (laughs) But he kind of wanted to separate himself from the character. He didn't want to be typecast his entire life as Spock. Well, too bad. But, uh, I mean, he's done other stuff. He does a lot of voice work, like I mentioned before. And he also sings a tale about Bilbo Baggins. So he has a musical career. Look it up on YouTube or whatever if you want to hear that disaster piece. In the cover of I Am Not Spock, he's he's giving the Vulcan salute. Yeah. You think it'd be him not Step looking like away Spock? from it, yeah. yeah. Just waving. <laughs> Good point, yeah. <laughs> no. Like not doing the Vulcan salute. <laughs> don't be Spock on the cover where you're not Spock. <laughs> Good, Good point out there, Jesse. Uh, but uh, he was persuaded to return because it was promised that he'd have a death scene. So he looked at it, I assume, was like, oh, I get to die in this movie. I never have to do this again. I am not Spock, blah, blah, blah. But apparently that got out. a career. Yeah, I don't like you know getting all this money they're giving me for <laughs> this simple character. I really don't necessarily have to act. I just got to say illogical, yeah. Captain. Yep. Uh, anyway, but uh, uh, he was promised a death scene, and this kind of got out. Then people were like, oh, Spock dies in this. They were speculating, like, oh, Spock's going to die. The secret's out, blah, blah, blah. So what they did, that's why that scene in the beginning in the Kobayashi Maru simulator, Spock dies. So mm-hmm. therefore the people that were kind of like, oh shit, Spock died. Oh, ha ha, very funny. He died in the simulator. So that way when he really dies in the end, supposedly dies in the end, uh, oh God, shocked. Which, you know, when you watch it, it's a, it's a, that's a great scene. Not taking anything away from his death scene. You know, that that's an understandably big moment in Star Trek history. Not quite as emotional as, you know, the villain of the universe being revealed as your father but it's still pretty emotional. Uh, and this is pretty ridiculous because, again, Trekkies are a, a superstitious and cowardly lot, so to speak. Not really, not at all, because uh, some of them are actually Klingons and can kick my ass. But, uh, you know, <laughs> Trekkies, more so than Star Wars fans or Lord of the Rings fans even, you know, are incessant upon the accuracy of whatever comes out with the Trek name on it. And it should be noted that uh, Chekhov was not even part of the main crew in the original season episode where Khan is first introduced, yet in Star Trek Two, the motion, uh, Star Trek Two, the Wrath of Khan, mm-hmm. Khan's like, "I know you, you're one of Kirk's guys," and yet Chekhov wasn't shown on the episode. Was a part of the crew then, but uh, what, how do you pronounce his name again? Koenig. Uh, Koenig. Koenig. Uh, Walter Koenig kind of sums it up. Jokingly says that. Uh, or Keenig. He imagines one. that uh, maybe an off-duty Chekhov accidentally caused Khan to. Uh, wait uncomfortably long to get to the men's room, leaving a particular indelible impression on Khan. So the second Khan saw him 15 years later, he knew, you. 
I know you. And they had a yearbook. Yeah, you got yeah, all over something. Well, in the episode, Khan does look at all the ship schematics and everything, so it's highly possible yeah. that he looked at all the crew, pe- all the members of the crew to know him and everything. They got released in the paper or something. Yeah, <laughs> he's just like, ah, oh, Chekhov. Hmm. So that's how they, that's how uh, Chekhov explains it. But I think logically, I think we literally just saw that. I didn't see anything saying that. Khan, when he's looking at the few screens and all that, studying all the ship stuff, probably came across this picture there. There you go, Trekkies. Mm-hmm. A, a Jedi just saved your ass. Oh, so letters. Just don't kill me. If you do want to kill me, I re- request a Klingon death. Let me be the the. Apparently, people have Klingon weddings, but Klingon weddings have to have a sacrifice. So, like, hmm. they will actually behead a dummy when you have Klingon weddings. Wow. Watch Trekkies. It's on YouTube. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, probably is on YouTube, but at Netflix. But at a, at a Klingon wedding, somebody usually gets beheaded as part of the celebration. <laughs> so if a Trekkie wants to kill me, which I don't want to die, but if you feel that I've insulted you so much that you have to kill me, I want to be a sacrifice at your Klingon wedding. There you go. So use your Macleth and Kwepla when you <laughs> kill me. Body count. Anybody care to guess? Daniel, you got a, any kind of guess? I have none. Ten. Close, 14. 11. Mm-hmm. No, I had to go to like all these random sites to find this out. So, And, of course, things are blowing up all over the place. Estimated so, 14. Yeah, they put it there you go, exactly. And the most deadly motherfucker in the room. Khan. Yep. <laughs> Khan has five of that 14 in a roundabout way, including Spock. So hmm. he has the number one kill. So, Daniel, any, any parting thoughts on Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan? It, it kind of made me want to watch the third one a little bit more. Just to kind of see what happens, so to speak? or Yeah. My chance of being a Trekkie yeah. was kind of was going up a little bit. But, but then tune in next week <laughs> to see what happened to oh. Daniel's peak of Trekkiness. But uh, in the real world... Again, this was released uh, June 4th, 1982. On June 6th, the 1982 Lebanon War begins. Forces under Israeli, Israeli Defense Minister Ariel Sharon, who has since been assassinated, invade south southern Lebanon in their Operation Peace for the Galilee, eventually reaching as far north as the capital, Beirut. Of course, that region has never been necessarily politically stable, as evidenced even in 1982, and of course before and since that date as well. Hmm. So... You want to give scores or you want to go into the other stuff? We can we can do this little sports thing real quick. Sports Rewind. This Ooh, is actually, with the Klingon ver- <laughs> Rewind. This is actually more of Trey's deal with this one, Trey. So mm-hmm. let them know how you came across it, and I'll go into it a little bit further. Well, as I was researching, you know, what happened around this time, relatively slow time in history, at least June 4th, 1982, nothing really hugely big with the exception of one thing which I had to say for Sports Rewind and I brought to Daniel's attention uh, as he was kind of looking stuff up. On May 30th, 1982, Cal Ripken Jr. placed the first of what eventually becomes his record-breaking streak of 2,632 consecutive MLB games. Ridiculous. Hmm. The devil appears in front of me and says, Trey, you're going to hell. Guess what that is? That's me sitting and watching all 2,632 <laughs> of Cal Ripken's games. Because that's pretty much forever. Nine uh, innings a game. That's ridiculous. Number two wow. is, uh, in terms of consecutive games, was another well-known guy was Lou Gehrig. Oh, really? Uh, 2,130 games. Stood for 56 years of the record. 
until 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 Ripken. Now that too bad for uh, what did he have? Not MS. Yul Garrig. Yul Garrig. It's been called Yul Garrig disease, but it's ALS. I think is what it's maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle Ripken's like. <laughs> Before Garrick. He killed Lou Garrick. Before Garrick, the record was Everett Scott. Uh, nationally record was Steve Garvey, who was kind of a popular guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twelve hundred and seven. Wow. That Ripken annihilated The Ripken it. streak will mm-hmm. never. It's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think you'll ever break it. Um, Especially with the whiny brats that play baseball now. A recent one was uh, Miguel Tejada, which he played in 1152, so not even halfway in seven years from 2000 2007. And I guess he got hurt or something, but mm-hmm. that record stopped. As of right now, <laughs> the longest consecutive streak is Prince Felder um, for the Detroit Tigers at an amazing 402. <laughs> so one season. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Three, two and a half. Wow. No, still, it's still ridiculous. Yeah, they play that I mean, many It would games. still count if he just stepped out and did like one. I would thing. think, like, I think it would count, like, if he was, let's say, he was the Played DH, that counts. Okay, let's yeah. say if he pinch hit, that counts. Because it seems Which like Kyle Ripken did that, like during his three yeah. years. It seems like yeah. there was something to yeah. work to. He but he has been there. on the box score. Of every game for that, you know, that two two twenty six hundred street. All with the Orioles, correct? Yep. His whole career pretty much was with the Orioles, I believe. I'm I'm pretty sure he played for not well, don't don't quote me on that. Did his streak end when he retired? Not sure. I'm not hmm. sure on that. Because I remember there was a huge celebration. I mean, if that lasted sixteen years, then that's pretty much a major league baseball. Yeah, well for any streak. sport having a sixteen year career mm-hmm. as a player in Except any sport golf, is you know, pretty phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. But golf is for pansies. That's yeah. just my opinion. <laughs> but anyway, that was... Oh, look, his batting average is only 276. Which isn't too bad. Let's see. 81 to 2001. Wow. That's, that's well, like then, that one. And then that wasn't it. Yeah, that wasn't it. Yeah. Uh, when, right. did it start, when did it start? Let's see. 82. Well, he he played before the streak started. Like, his, yeah. his streak wasn't the first game he ever played. Yeah, because so. the streak started yeah. in 1982. So, so that actually might have been it. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. No. One of the greats. It's a 17-year streak, though. Voluntarily ended in Volun- 1998. Okay, so, yeah. He must have just decided, okay, guys, I'm yep. taking I'm call He came out on the cane. <laughs> like, I can't do this anymore. The, oh, new, I, I the new Star Wars film's coming out. And, nah. <laughs> I want to see it. Was, it's the same day of our game. <laughs> <laughs> I got tickets at midnight. I can't play the next day. It'll break the streak. But uh, let's. I don't know. This His nickname was the Iron Man. Hmm. Yeah. Makes sense. Because of the arc reactor in his chest. Yeah. <laughs> to keep him playing games. <laughs> to keep that splintered piece of wood away from his heart. Right. From Which a shattered Bojax and bat. <laughs> and that was... Sports Rewind. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, my. But uh, let's do scores real quick before we get into the Back to the Future. Uh, what would you give Star Trek to the Wrath of Khan as an overall score? 6.5. Which is pretty good on a Daniel score. I mean, it's you know, that's, that's kind of in line with a seven point seven on IMDb. It's much. a. I didn't. Wasn't looking at the watch. Yeah. Or the phone now. Hardly anybody ever wears a watch yeah. anymore. Seriously, if you wear a watch, <laughs> what's wrong with you? Well, Check it out, out the smart ones soon. Well, now if they had a holder for my iPhone on my wrist, <laughs> like oh, a, a Pit Boy from Fallout Three, like it's supposed yeah. to allow you to leave it in the pocket. And what is it? Oh, the like really? the Apple smart watch and. It's, yeah, they have a bunch of different kinds. Like, you just leave it in your pocket. It has a Bluetooth connection between the two. I want the contact lens. 
And you could then, like check your mess, check your uh, text messages, and see who called and all that stuff. You want the Google glasses? I guess that's a, a, that's I guess that's the closest we'll get to where <laughs> yeah. I see shit. To where you like, yeah. Somebody's got when those Google glasses come out. Somebody's got to have an app called like LSD. <laughs> to where as you're walking, you know, it'll just randomly put shit happening in like, your world. Like a dragon flying. Copyright by. 2000, uh, 2013 Trey Harris, by the way. <laughs> Royalty checks can be mailed to, I'm not going to give my address because I'm going to go home and have a Klingon standing over my dead wife <laughs> waiting. But uh, yeah, uh, like I said, I'm a Star Trek fan. It's not my favorite franchise by any stretch of the imagination, but I've seen everyone from four on in theaters. Uh, of course, my, I reviewed uh, Into Darkness a couple weeks ago, my favorite film of the year so far. Of course, Man of Steel comes out Friday, so that could change. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'd say Wrath of Khan's a good eight. You know, it's a good movie. I like it a lot. Uh, it's not my favorite in the orig- as far as the original movies go, but it's uh, most people, most fans say the good Trek movies are the, the even-numbered ones, which two, four, six, uh, which two is Wrath of Khan, four is The Voyage Home, which I think is the worst one where they come to Earth and have to save the whales. Uh, and then there's uh, six, the Undiscovered Country, which I really like. That's the last voyage, so to speak, of the Enterprise crew. Uh, so it's really good. And then uh, we'll, get, we'll talk three about three next week. Uh, five, as a kid, I always liked uh, just because of the premise of it is, is interesting. Because Star Trek always has philosophical stories or literary, you know, it's, it's very heady in, in some ways. Almost sometimes for its own, more so than its own good. I'm looking at certain episodes of The Next Generation. But... Uh, you know, it's always a little more thought-provoking, so to speak, more so than Star Wars, uh, which I really like about it. And I, th- I definitely think that revisiting the Star Trek movies, I think they hold up not so much in terms of the fact that their computer screens <laughs> are like, you know, one pixel of an iPad or mm-hmm. I mean, are light yeah. bright with different shapes put in. <laughs> uh, that notwithstanding, the, story, the stories themselves are great for the most part. In a lot of them, and that's what I always appreciate about Star Trek. They can they can tell some really good, thought provoking stories uh, in TV on TV or on the big screen. So I give it a solid eight. Uh, real quick though, for Back to the Future, as we're recording this, and as you're probably listening to it, E3 is probably still going on. I just want to touch base really quick on just see what y'all think about pretty much Xbox One and then the now mentioned PS4. Have you followed any of the coverage or anything, Daniel? Not too much. Any I have. Uh, what do you think between the two? I mean, do you have a preference uh, so far? Just or? based on everybody else's reaction, really, it seems like PS4 is going to, quote, win the generation. Yeah, which, uh, I mean, as a result of full <laughs> disclosure, I pre-ordered a PS4 today. Uh, the Ooh, only reason my. I did that uh, over, well, of course, the three, the I'm going to say 360 until I get out of vernacular. Sure. Uh, and honestly, that's just in case I want one by the time they come out, to be perfectly honest, because... The only launch games I want are on th- on the Xbox, being Titanfall and uh, Killer Instinct. However, today they revealed that Killer Instinct's a downloadable title, which is free, but you only get to play as Jago. You have to buy every single oh other character, God. which I'm sure they'll have like a package deal, like maybe twenty bucks. So you're still basically just buying the game. Right. Just put out the game for tw- you know whatever price they're going to pay, which that really pissed me off. Yeah, just that idea. But that didn't say, oh, I'm, I'm not. I-, I will have an Xbox One eventually. But as far as launch goes, because you got to put down a hundred bucks on them to pre-order a console these days, which it used to be like twenty-five to fifty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I traded in my Connect and a whole bunch of other bullshit that I never play with to bring that down. So I spent like thirty bucks today. Yeah. So that way, if when they come out, if I still want a PS4 at launch, I'll at least have access to one. Hmm. But uh, yeah, uh, Microsoft doing the whole DRM thing that just seems like. Oh yeah, I everything think, seemed like it was like you're playing in our court. Here's the yeah. rules. 
Yeah. And I think that I, I highly suspect that since PlayStation really harped on that, that that might even change by the time Xbox One comes out. They might just say, we changed our mind. What's DRM? Like, uh, disc, something, it, uh, basically copy protection to where, like, you can't play used games. Okay. You can't, you know, they have a thing to where, if they're on, if you're on my friend's Digital list. Digital so, rights management. That's yeah. What it is. So that, you know, if I buy Final Fantasy 21 or whatever games on, like, on Xbox One and you want to borrow it, we're, you're on my friend's list. So it'll recognize that you're playing my game and you're my friend, so you, you're allowed to play it. However, I couldn't allow... Uh, or if I traded you the game for something, you could play it because you're on my friend's list, but then you trade it to your little brother or somebody who's maybe not on your Xbox friend's list or whatever, they couldn't play it hmm. because they're not in your family circle or Which some kind of jargon. the used games market. Yeah. Which, that didn't stop GameStop from putting in big displays in their windows saying, hey, we're selling, you know, pre-order Xbox One and PlayStation oh, yeah. 4, well, you know They're still I mean? going to make 500 bucks. I mean... Yeah. And that's that. in the price to me. And yeah. to me, honestly... Forcing Connect on everybody, built-in Connect. That's, and in fact, one of the things I traded in today was my Connect because I used it maybe three times. Yeah. And it sucks. <laughs> I mean, it's cool technology, but my it's, wife likes it. <laughs> I mean, it, it, you, she dances to it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it works well for that game. The only other game I played on it was uh, Child of Eden, where like it's, it's basically like that game Res, where you have to move your hands. But I mean, even uh. that, it fucking thing loses track of me and then right. like I die I have to start the whole level over again it's just and like oh you can use it for voice commands well how why can't I just plug in my headset and like those. I could on PlayStation 2 playing SOCOM and give orders to my squad mates yeah I mean there's I mean again I will have both and honestly after the Killer Instinct bombshell today like I really I don't need that at launch however Titanfall looks amazing it's the ones that uh, the splinter of called of Infinity Water making first person shooter it looks like a blend of uh, mecha salt, I mean, because there's mechs in it, but uh, like uh, Mirror's Edge, like that first-person parkour game, because you can navigate yeah. the environment so differently in this game. Uh, but honestly, I'm really not blown away by the graphical difference. Mm. Like, I mean, it, it does look better. Everything yeah. looks better, but it's not like that leap from PlayStation 2 to 360 and, and the current generation. So, like I said, I pre-ordered one just in case I... I get one, but I honestly believe that by the time the launch window comes around, I probably won't even. I'll probably get something else and then get one after the holiday season when there's some killer apps out for each. Hmm. That's my opinion. But E3 is currently going on, so they're releasing different things each day, all the way to the end of E3 as to what's coming out when, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of stuff still to be announced. So, but that's kind of where we're at now. And I'm, I guarantee you, on the newest episode of Geekly Dose, Stephen will give all the details of E3 like he did last year. So hmm. look forward to that. Uh, and speaking of Geekly Dose, that's the other podcast on the Awesome Podcast Network. Uh, they don't really have a set schedule right now, but their latest episode is up, and they did say they will be back to cover E3. Like I mentioned before, Stephen did a really good job last year, so I look forward to, instead of me having to harp on different websites all week, I'll just wait till Stephen breaks it down for me, and I okay. hope you all will do the same. But also, if you want to, I don't know if we should give out our personal our email and everything, because the trackies, might man. come after you. <laughs> A cloak bird of prey is outside right now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, if you want to hit us an email, let us know anything we said wrong, correct us by all means, or give us a pat on the back for you know a Star Wars fan doing a good job about talking about some Star Trek stuff, uh, or admitting that he likes Star Trek. You know, email 80srevisited at gmail.com or on Facebook at Awesome Podcast Network and on the Twitters at Awesome Podcasts. And next week we'll continue our journey to boldly go where Daniel has never gone before as we go on the search for Spock with Star Trek 3. 
And until next time, everybody. Any, any final words, anybody? About con. Nope. nope. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Until next week, I am Trey Harris. I'm Daniel San Angelo. Jesse Sedgley. Conabunga! Kapla! At the Awesome Podcast Network's Facebook at facebook.com slash awesome podcast network. And follow us on Twitter at awesome podcasts.